1: Where do you find the source of love? Where do you find the source of all joy? A closer look at these affections is the subject of our time next, here on Truth For Today. Join us. We're taking a closer look at the affections and specifically joy is in our sights today out of 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. Welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing with Pastor Phil's series called Finding Pleasure in God. Now, this is a tall order as many of us are duty-bound. But the delight comes in his love for us and our joy that we find in loving Him back in return. With more, here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: Look at 1 Peter 1.6, and then we'll just read. In this, in this salvation God has given you, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So in the midst of unpleasant circumstances, they're rejoicing. Kind of like James 1, 2. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now that is a weird piece of advice. It absolutely is a cruel piece of advice until you understand it. Count it all joy when your car gets broken into. Count it all joy when negative things happen in your life. He said, you must be kidding, God. He said, no, I'm working it for something that will produce a good benefit. And in James, it's maturity. And here he's saying, hey, this is going to work for you. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and And glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, Peter had, they had not. What is the response? You love him. You've been affected so that you love someone you've never seen. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal, or one of the designated purposes of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You are in the present tense being delivered, your soul. And part of your soul involves your emotional life. Ultimately, everything about you will be saved, our body, our soul. But he said, you're receiving one of the end results of your salvation, the salvation, the deliverance of your soul. And soul really is a part for the whole here. You're getting in on God's salvation. And so he's saying that though you haven't seen this God, you love him, Though you've not seen him, you've got a joy inexpressible and full of glory. And and the word glory is full of magnificence, uh, full of uh, honor, full of uh, praise, adoration, worship. It's a joy that you can't quite articulate it, but it fills you with glorious thoughts, glorious emotions, because the object of your joy is the God who saved you. Now, uh, uh, this little blue book, my sister made this for us years ago. And these were all the songs we knew when we landed here. And we had about 177 of them. Now, we knew more, but we could sing all these by heart, practically. And she put down an old, old song. You've got to be uh, over uh, uh, 50 that even appreciate this song. It says, If you want joy real joy wonderful joy anybody ever hear the song? you're over 50 let Jesus come into your heart if you want joy real joy wonderful joy let Jesus come into your heart your sins he'll wash away your night he'll turn to day Your life, he'll make it over anew. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, buy a brand new car. No, no, no. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, go to Hawaii. No the sin over there too if you want joy the center of joy is Christ the Gaithers along with Richard Smallwood a phenomenal pianist wrote a song Jesus you're the center of my joy everything good that I need comes from you You are the center of my joy. What is the Christian experience? I want to talk about joy today. Once we believe the gospel and trust it in it with our hearts and our minds, uh, what is the common experience? And that's what we've been looking at, the affections. And I will just go either next week or another week, because it's the whole Bible, seemingly, of how God affects those who know him. And when we talk about these affections, we're not talking about Paul who had an out-of-body experience and was caught up to the third heaven and no one's ever had it before. It is the commonly held experience and affections of all those who have come to know God. And I thank uh, God for John Piper and Edwards who really developed the theme that God is the ultimate source of pleasure. John Piper pastors in Minneapolis, and he wrote a book, Why I'm a Christian Hedonist. And the term in itself seemed offensive. Why I find my ultimate pleasures in God, for I believe I, the chief end of man, is to glorify God, and he translates it, by enjoying him forever. There's no glory you bring to God, if he is not a joy in your life. Does your God, the very thought of your God, bring joy? Let me read some things here. God is not often looked upon as the object of our pleasure, but many times he's a dreadful thought. An angry, maybe moody God, judgmental, like the gods of ancient history, He's the God that's looking down, and any time he catches you smiling, he makes a new rule against that. A God who would not even entertain the idea of pleasure, it seems almost sinful. That seems to be what Hugh Hefner came up with, pleasure, sensual pleasure. No, to glorify God by finding pleasure in him now and forever... Does your God bring you pleasure? If not, you don't really know the true and living God. Now, something that's deceitful here is sin brings you pleasure. That is God's competitor, sin. But the Bible says it is only seasonal. Hebrews 11, Moses gave up the pleasures of sin for a season. And how many of you have found out sin has a pleasurable season? Maybe in your youth when you don't know a lot of things, but the whole whole journey in sin is not pleasurable. It brings death, it brings destruction, it brings pain, it brings wages that destroy. And so sometimes uh, we think of God like a kid that is told, eat spinach, it's good for you. And so he said, we know it tastes lousy. And compared to chocolate cake, there is no comparison. But God's good for you, but you just won't find much about him that tastes good. You ought to come to him. Uh, Because, you know, we're Puritan. We've got all these strict rules. Matter of fact, we don't even enjoy sex. Our children come by immaculate conception." And that's what they said about the Puritans. Did they even smile? All these morbid-looking kind of Christians and views. God could not. I used to think as a kid, i like to be a Christian, but I'm not ready to die. And, and you've got to die to be a Christian to live like these people. You only need God when you're going to cross over. Because in life, He's not a fun-looking God, from what I see in many believers. And so, I think we get stuck with this dilemma. It is hard to recommend a God that's making you miserable. It's hard to sell people on something that you don't enjoy. And so, uh, I understand from the Bible, God has chosen two people to advertise him on the earth as being glorious. And that was Israel in the Old Testament and the church in the new. And I want you to look at Deuteronomy 28, what God said to Israel when he's warning them of coming judgment. Look at what he says. He said, if you forsake the covenant that we're making and you turn from me, it will be hard on you. And he enumerates all these curses. But notice this strange uh, looking thing in Deuteronomy twenty-eight forty-five. All these curses will come upon you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees he gave you. They will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God... And I think many of us would just stop there, because you didn't serve God. Why didn't he just say that? Do you have the verse? There was a way he wanted to be served, and what were the two things that should accompany it? Joyfully and gladly, and this was in the time of prosperity, you couldn't do it. You know, I find prosperity doesn't make people more happy. It doesn't bring more real joy. You know, the most joyous times, I think, sometimes in my life, is there'd be childhood and aunts and uncles and, and little churches that could out sing anything we do here because everybody sang and we were in small buildings anyway. There'd only be 80 of us, but we'd bust the roof out because everybody sang. Everybody seemed to play an instrument. We just had a ball worshiping God. We worshiped Him gladly and joyfully. And he said, because you didn't do this in a time of prosperity, therefore in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. And this is exactly what happened in the exile. Look at another passage, the history of the race, Romans 1. And of course, in these studies, they're topical, thematic. So you have to break in your Bible a little bit with me. Look at Romans 1.21. Romans 1.21, sixth book of the New Testament. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God. They found no honor in him. They saw nothing praiseworthy in him. They saw nothing to adore about him. They brought him no glory. There's no glory in this God. Well, every man's got to have a God. What, what do you recommend in place? Well, we'll worship a snake. Uh, we prefer the calf God down in Egypt. The golden calf. We like to worship animals. We like to worship stars. This God, the God revealed in the Bible and the Red Sea and creation, this God just doesn't appeal to us. we got to Uh, He's easy to leave and create another God. We find no glory in him. And give thanks, what for? What's there to be thankful for? But their thanking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Israel, I'm warning you, if it ever comes where you don't serve me with gladness and joy... I'm going to lead you into exile, and I'm going to put a yoke on your neck, and you're going to realize what you had in me in good times and why you should have enjoyed me. Race, the human race, you know what your problem is? You have fired God from being God because He is no longer honorable, adorable, pleasurable, desirable. And you said, I'd rather bow down to an animal and kiss the head of a cobra and I would to acknowledge the God of all creation. So what does God do with such a race? In Romans 1, he said, I'm giving you up, giving you up, everything except the gospel. I will extend the gospel to you for nearly 2,000 years, and that is your only hope of getting out of such futile thinking, coming to Christ and rediscovering that our greatest pleasure and our greatest joy is to be found in the true and the living God. So let's take I gave you some notes for your devotions during the week. And thank I, I thank Donna for doing Donna works because I don't get this stuff done till late Friday. She works even on Saturday. And if we find this in the garbage can, we're finding you five bucks. Don't let her or I find it. Thanks, Donna. And the whole church owes you a gratitude for doing that. Uh, Let's look at these uh, verses here and just give you an idea of what the Bible says. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. And the first thing you're going to say, for what? Rejoice. Come on, I'm a Christian. Griping is the in house sport, murmuring is a Christian virtue. No, it always kills us. He says, Be giving, rejoicing, and thank him. Praise, rejoicing, thanksgiving. Uh, He said, Well, well, what what is the object? Here's the thing what is the object of your joy? Is it Jesus? Is it a relationship? And he says, Thy statutes, the word of God, keeps giving me something to be joyful about in God. And he says that, right? Psalms 19. It says in Romans 5, I'm just kind of underlining these verses. We'll get to some points later. Romans 5, we were saved in hope whereby we exult. We are just exulting in God. We are just, my. To just find somebody that acts that way, We wouldn't know what to do with them. I mean, the guy's exulting in God. Well, well, he doesn't know what's going on in Iraq. Yeah, he does. Well, he doesn't know that we're in a downturn in the economy over countrywide. He's in bad trouble. Five-year loans are crashing. Hey, the object of our joy is our God and not our circumstance. But usually circumstance determines how we feel. And that's why joy is different than happiness. Happiness is based upon happenings. Joy is based upon God. And he's unchangeable, unmovable, unstoppable, unbeatable. He's always the same. So, I should not be like a yo-yo in my emotion of joy, and yet I am. And he tells these believers, you're rejoicing even though you're suffering because the object of your joy hasn't changed. I know I'm talking in another tongue to some of you, but just bear with it. Because we've been taught you have to have all this stuff. Everything's got to go just right. You have to have joy. You ought to be having a new car. You, you ought to be in a prosperity. No, no, no. All of that is imported to the Word of God. Our God is our pleasure, our joy. Or is he? He goes on to say some verses like this. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I say again, I'm profoundly shocked and moved that God can command my emotions. Who does he think he is? Hey, do you think I just jump, snap in the emotion button? Is it a sin not to obey? Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Why? It's a command, is it not? Delight yourself in the Lord. Well, I, I'm not, and I'm okay. Is it disobedience? So it's an amazing thing that I mean, I'm I'm shocked because some days I don't feel like being rejoicing. It, it feels like a good day to gripe. I want to be cranky. In the spirit, of course, in the Lord. And sometimes Carolyn say, "Some days, you haven't said a good thing all day," and. I'm saying, I want you to repent before Sunday, or don't tell that to the church. My my image is based on this. Who are we kidding? Say, what what's your problem? One time uh, Luther's wife, Luther was in his study and she came into his study and she was all dressed in black for a funeral, and Luther says, Hey, what what's going on, Catherine? Who dies? She said, haven't you heard? God did. He said, that's sacrilege. She said, well, the way you act, I assumed he died. Pretty profound. She was no pushover. But he was out there whining, carrying a mighty fortress as our God, and then he's in the mully grubs, and he's down. And come in here, God died. I imagine he wanted to choke her. But, of course, reformers wouldn't think things like that. Um, listen to these verses. Rejoice in hope. Notice what you rejoice in. Because you have hope. You have a, a wonderful future. You have things to expect from God. Rejoice in the truth. He says, rejoice evermore. Uh, the, I don't know. I know a little Greek, but that seemed to be pretty constant. Rejoice evermore. Evermore. Oh, you don't believe it. I look at that verse. Just look at that. Let's let it convict us. Rejoice evermore. Uh, I just... I mean, that verse is hard. Look verse 16. Be joyful always, or rejoice evermore. Always be joyful. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And all three of these things are the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Always rejoicing, always praying, always giving thanks. There's the will of God. Have you heard people say, I want to know what God's will for my life is. How about starting with rejoicing? What about praying? What about giving thanks? And a verse that really knocked me over is Psalm 1611. It says, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy and the way, the translation, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The word at, at, it's really not at. The preposition's not at. Derek Kittner, Psalms, Hebrew scholar, England. The at is really in your right hand, in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't have to be in the third heaven to get what's in God's hands. God has a hand and at his hand are pleasures evermore. I I just want to say to a saint, sometimes the longer you know God, the worse advertisement you make for God. Because if you've lost your joy, uh, or if you're, let's say you've gone through tough circumstances and whatever, I think of young people when everything that's glittery seems like pop culture. I I ask myself, if I was 16 years of age in this church, is there anything around here that would grab me that I see in fellow believers that looks like they're enjoying God?
1: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church, here in Hercules.